News Talk 1400 and 92.3 WOND and Jacob Media present Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough. Be inspired, learn, and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. And this report is being... Good afternoon and welcome to episode 46 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a show that is dedicated to encouraging people to become servant leaders. And my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that dedicate their lives to this idea of leading as servant leaders. Because when you do that, you're honoring God. And because of that, blessings will just follow as a natural byproduct of that service. Because all of us are ministers. Because each of us are given special gifts by God. And because of that, we have an obligation, a responsibility, that when we see a need, we're to fill the need to the best of our ability. Because serving is for everyone in all walks of life. And we've seen that week after week in the areas of military, business, faith, community, and family. And just last week, I had on two of my good friends, Mr. Greg Nardi and Mr. Jonathan Childs. Both of them serve with me on the board of the Association of the United States Army, and they're also involved in a wide range of other activities besides that. So if you missed that, you really want to listen to that because they are shining examples of what right looks like and how you can get engaged in serving your community, serving the military, serve your family. Absolutely incredible episode. I encourage you to get back and listen to episode 45. But for today, just a little bit about me that's important for today's show. I graduated from King's College in Pennsylvania in 1998. And today I have the great privilege and honor of having my friend, Mr. Todd Sullivan, join me on the show here today. Todd is not only a former college classmate, and he was a leader and president of student government while we were in school, as well as a resident assistant, but now he also served as the director of resident life at Erickson Senior Living, and before that he was the director of institutional advancement at the John Carroll School. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Todd Sullivan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear? You are listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and today I'm joined by Mr. Todd Sullivan. Todd, first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy weekend and your schedule to be with me here on the program today. Paul, my pleasure. I appreciate it. So, Todd, you know, it has been a long time since we have been in college And I distinctly remember in college, you being a leader of character then, you were a resident assistant, you were my friend, and I believe you were also involved in student government and leading a whole lot of activities in that as well. And, you know, looking at your LinkedIn background and the bio that you sent, 
Nothing has changed, man. You are still that leader of character, and you're still deeply concerned about caring for other people. And so I, I wonder if you would share with us, like the thing that you're doing now is working with seniors, and not many people have enough gumption and heart to go into that profession. So what motivated you to choose that field of all the things you could have done with your life and all the skills you have, you wanted to go work with seniors. What, what's your heart behind that? Well, you know, Paul, my, my whole career, um, I've spent working for um, service organizations. Yeah. And I, I got to a point in my, my career where I was, I was moving fast on the career chain, a train and was looking to take a step back from traveling and all this. And so I found Erickson Living and the opportunity to go there. And they asked me in the interview, have you ever worked with, uh, with old people? <laughs> and I thought, boy, you know, I, I worked with cancer survivors at the Cancer Society, and that's uh, a lot of seniors. But, you know, I have a couple grandparents, but that was really the extent of it. I said, but really, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a journalist at heart. You know, I love storytelling, and I love – and I just imagine that job – you know, coming in, I was coming in a fundraising role. Yeah. And you think your whole job is to understand people and to get to know people and to hear their stories and to connect their own passion with the needs of, of your service organization. And so, you know, coming in, I, I don't think I realized how much I would fall in love with this industry. And then you get into it and you start to meet these people and they see you, uh, they see a little bit of themselves in you as a young, you know, working father and, and parent, yeah. um, things like that. And so, you know, it just kind of, it spoke to me. I just, that uh, I've always been about people and this is an entirely people business. You know, I, I love that because um, being a veteran, I have had often an occasion to go into a VA home you know, where there's a lot of seniors and things like that. Uh, my best friend's father was in a VA home for quite a while, and my father himself was in a VA hospital for treatment. And the exact thing that you said is what took place. Like, yes, I would go to see my father and my best friend's father, but even just being in that place, right, and wearing my uniform and, you know, just the presence of two young guys walking around. Hey, Sonny, come here. Let me talk to you. Oh, you're in the military. La, 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 Right? And they want to share their stories with you. Right? They want someone to listen to what it is that they have to share because just because they, you know, might be in their 60s, 70s, 80s, like, they still are valuable members of society and they have something to contribute and so many people forget that and they don't want to listen to what those elderly people have to share like some of the people i met in the va homes like they were people that had gone through the korean war vietnam war some people as much as world war ii you know and they had real life lessons to share about what it means to be a service member and what it means to really lay your life on the line so todd like more power too and i am honored that a guy like you is on the show here today well thanks paul you know uh there was a gentleman uh mr bowerman who lived at oakcrest village where i worked and he was a former superintendent of schools he was super uh, principal he was on president reagan's say no to drug task force in the 80s and he used to spend an hour with me every week almost like tuesdays with maury where his wife was getting her hair done and he would come to visit me and we would, he would talk to me about being a father and being a leader and being um, a husband. And it was such incredible time spent with him. And when he, I, I was with him in the ICU holding his hand two days before he passed um, just because I, he was a friend to me. Yeah. And I had learned so much from him. Yeah. Um, 
just great stuff. I mean, it's all over when you work in a place like that. So I, I have to ask, I mean, with you having done this for quite a while, I'm sure that you develop some kind of philosophy of how you want to engage your residents, right? Like what your leadership philosophy is and, you know, what kind of persona that you want to put out there and what kind of leader you want to be within that facility. So would you share a little bit about that and, you know, maybe some success stories that are associated with that leadership philosophy? Sure. Um I think coming into the role uh, at Ericsson in a fundraising role, I you know it's different doing fundraising in somebody's home than it is for the American Cancer Society. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, in re- regardless of which end, the most important thing is that the residents trust you. Um, you are working in their home; they they are trusting you to care for them and to make the best decisions for them. And they're giving up a little bit of their, their personal freedom living in a community like that because they understand there's a management company that's running, making decisions, a little different than when they're in their own home. Yeah. Um, so I think that you, know, you lead with integrity and trust because after that, if you don't have that, nothing else matters. And I know for me, in every role I've had, and, and you may even think back into college, like I, I lead with humor. Yes, you do. I think. You know, residents, especially these last two years, have had to deal with a lot, um, seniors with, with the global pandemic. And, you know, just two days ago, we had this wonderful send-off from one community now moving to another. And that's the one thing that everybody walked through the line saying to me, I'm going to miss your humor. I'm going to miss the lightheartedness that you bring, the camaraderie with your executive director, um, because she's under great stress, and they love seeing that I can make her laugh. Yeah. And so I think with my staff, same thing, um, being compassionate, being um, supportive, and, and always making things fun. You know, there's a lot of things that will make life not fun. And so if you can bring that gift to somebody, I think that people work harder for you, people support you, people move in the direction you need them to. And so... You know, both with residents and staff in, in my work, um, I think those are the things that have allowed me to find success. That is awesome, man. I, I love how you've just like taken everything that we did and learned in college and just continued that on to an incredible career. And yeah. now you're seeing some real fruit from that because you mentioned that you were leaving your current position and you got yourself a promotion. So can you tell us yeah. a little bit about that and what that journey is going to be like for you and you know, maybe why you're a little bit excited about that? Sure, sure. Um, so my new, my new role that I'm starting on Monday uh, is Associate Executive Director of one of the largest retirement communities in the country. And you know, it's funny, when I interviewed they, the, the executive team there, asked me, why do I want to be an Associate Executive Director? And... Your timing of this show is, is really perfect because the topic of seat, uh, servant leadership has been in the forefront for me in the last several weeks. And, and that's what this is to me. This job is the ultimate servant leader position. You don't have a lot of direct reports. Um, you're not the number one guy, um, but you're going to be asked to lead a, a countless number of initiatives and events and, um, and find a way to lead through influence to get people excited, to get people moving in the right direction, not because they have to, but because they want to. Because you have created this vision that people get excited about and can move forward with. And that's that's the exciting part for me is, uh, to some degree, I get a little bit out of the weeds of the paperwork and the the day-to-day 
um, things and the and the visionary piece of the job becomes more um, the servant part of it. You right. know, I'm there to serve my executive director, the people that I will supervise, the residents. You know, it's really just that opportunity to make people's lives better. Um, and that's, I think that's why we get into this kind of work. That's awesome, man. And now, how long have you been in this industry, Todd? Um, about 12 years. So 12, 12 years. My gut tells me that in 12 years, you've had to do a thing or two that maybe was a little bit challenging. What, what's the hardest thing you've had to do in dealing and working with the senior population? I think the easy thing is to see those people that you've served pass away. You know, people die every day, but when you're in a, in a community like that of independent living and assisted living, you know, that, that death rate, it's sort of focused. Yeah. Um, and so you lose friends sure. um, quicker. But I think for me, looking back, I think 2020 was probably one of the hardest times in, in my career, in my life. Um, you know, every day you're you're getting up and going into a community of the most vulnerable population that this global pandemic was targeting. And every day you'd go in and all you hoped was that you wouldn't bring it to them right? and that you could keep it out. And then you'd worry, gosh, am I going to bring it home? Because I'm, I'm the one going out and coming back and yeah. sitting with my wife. We, we didn't get to work from home. You know, we needed to be, at, you know, at ground zero doing the work. Yeah. And so um, the, just the, the fear and the uncertainty of the people that you were serving and, having to tell family members, no, you can't come see them. No, you can't stand outside and sing happy birthday to them. And so the challenge of getting, not, not getting to yes, but getting to sort of and helping families experience that connection point without allowing them physically to be there um, and using technology like this to say, you know what, we're going to put you on FaceTime and we're going to walk up to your mother's apartment. We're going to sing happy birthday. Like we're at the Texas roadhouse and, <laughs> and we're going to have you there with us. And that's the best I can offer you. And, um, people appreciated that, you know, we didn't just say no. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that year, both from being a leader of people, um, with my staff who were displaced from their normal jobs and asked to deliver newspapers and deliver meals and deliver packages, their entire shift and not do what they were hired to do um, and keep them motivated through that. Again, while they're worried about bringing things home to their families, right. um, was challenging. Yeah. But I would think that there's also probably been a flip side because every single job, every career has got its ups and its downs. So what, what's the blessings that you've gotten from leading in this capacity for the last 12 years? I think I think the when I think back on my years in this industry is the ability to to give other people a chance um, as as a manager, um, trying to see the potential in people. You know, thinking back on that first person that gave you the chance. Yeah, um, the first guy that ever hired me at the United Way originally put me in the no pile because I was in college and he didn't want to deal with that. And the secretary pulled my name out and said, right, but he interned at a United Way. He's got the graphic design. Why don't we at least bring him in? And then, I mean, it's been over 20 years since I worked for that man, and we still stay in touch. We still send Christmas cards. He came to my wedding. Wow. Um, so I think, you know, and again, so much of this is fresh in my mind because of, of cards that I received and yeah. private conversations from staff. and. Yeah. And that was a consistent theme. You believed in me. 
you gave me a chance when others questioned it. Yeah. And, and I'm growing and developing because of that opportunity. And so I think those are the things that I'll, I'll remember. And whether they worked for me or with me, I always have tried to, to help people along because so many have done that for me in the past. And Todd, how much of that do you think was shaped during our college years? You know, you and I were friends, but we didn't hang out all the time because we were involved in different things, different majors. How much of what you know now and who you are was shaped by what we went through together at college? Well, you know, I, I always think about that. Um, when we were in college, the, you know, the, the King's mission statement is um, they teach you not only how to make a living, but also how to live. Yes. Um, I can remember f- coming into freshman year, you had the choice of doing this class called the freshman experience, mm-hmm. or you could do 40 hours of community service. Yeah. Instead of, and, and I'm like, well, I'm going to not go to class. I want to go help people. <laughs> <laughs> so I was probably one of a handful of people that chose that option. Um, but I, I did that and they gave you that opportunity and, you know, we were involved in um, big brothers, big sisters, and we did Habitat for Humanity. And sometimes it was just something to do on the weekend, but it also was something that, you know, fed your soul. And I think when coming out of there as an RA, you were, you were there for people in their time of need. And um, yes, you were getting paid for it. Yes. You were getting a free meal plan, but more than anything else, you found your way into people's lives in a way that you never would have had you not been in that, in that role. Um, and so I think Kings, Kings promoted that. Um, I mean, we have a common friend in the honorable Patrick J. Murphy, um, who I always remember being a leader on that campus and, and not, not through accolades or anything, but he lived, he lived his, his talk and he walked his talk yeah. and he was, um, he was not above anybody, right? Despite all of the accolades he got, he was he, he was a man, literally a man of the people. I mean, people could talk to him about anything. So I love it, and you know, you're right about Patrick, and I am uh, still friends with him to this day. And I, I am so thankful that you and I have reconnected after 20 some years. So, yeah. Todd, I am really enjoying this conversation, but we're going to take a quick break for a commercial. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to continue the conversation with Mr. Todd Selvin. So stay with us. We'll be right back. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Todd Sullivan. So, Todd, in our first segment, you were talking a whole lot about your career, your life choices, people that have uh, really spoken into your life. But one of the things that I'd really like to understand has there been a mentor? You know, you mentioned Patrick, and he's somebody that both of us have looked up to over the years. But has there been a mentor, you know, maybe at Erickson or, you know, United Way, whatever it is, somebody that really showed you what right looks like and said, hey, Todd, so you mentioned the guy that gave you a chance. Is there somebody that really was an example to you as you were growing up as a leader? Oh, 
I, gosh, you know, I feel like at every stage of my life, I've had that person. Yeah. And I, I feel very blessed to be able to say that, you know, at the, at the cancer society, um, a woman flew in from California to become our chief operating officer. And when I was itching to grow out of the role I was in, she sat down with me and said, what do you want to be, you know, in three years? And we talked about it and she said, well, here's what I need you to do. And she said, look, I know on paper, you're not the right guy, but I know, I've seen you. I know what you can do. I'm going to, I'm going to call. This is funny. She called a guy named Ed Lord, who was the head of our division in Virginia. And she, she said, Ed, I want you to interview this guy. He had this position open. And ultimately I decided to make that move right after our first son was born. Mm. And somebody asked me what made me decide to do it. And I said, well, when the Lord calls, you just go. (laughs) (laughs) And and so um, I I look for stuff like that in my life, you know, like I I had, it was a hard decision. We just had a baby moving away from family And, and to know that, that the Lord was involved in that, even if it was Ed's just Ed's last name um, gives you peace. Um, I think at, at Erickson, there have been people that have just led through example. Um, they're consistent. Um, they're authentic. Um, they show emotion at work. Um, they're vulnerable. Um, and my, my, my boss now, the one that I'm, I'm parting ways with has been, Unbelievable. Even my son, my 14-year-old son, said to me yesterday as I was telling him a story, he said, you know, Dad, I think Maureen is the best boss you've ever had. And it wasn't because she was great at financial things. It's because she had a way to lead and invest in people. Yeah. Um, And I felt that from the day that I walked in the door. So you mentioned your family. And I want to unpack that just a little bit because when you and I were speaking the other day, you know, you mentioned a little bit of the challenges that you had in between jobs. There, there was a brief period of time where you were doing a bit of soul searching and trying to figure out what you wanted to do next, right? And if I understood correctly, your family was a big source of support in that. And even though, you know, as a father and as a husband, we have concerns about how we're going to keep the lights on and pay the bills. Your family was right there by your side and you kept maintaining that heart for servant leadership and you kept going out there and serving people. So would you just share a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so in spite of my wonderful 12 years with Ericsson, there was a two-year window where I had left the company, not looking for greener pastures, just different ones. And and the job that I left to go to, I lost. I was laid off after about 16 months and that led to five months of unemployment. And it was a real opportunity. My wife said to me, don't just take a job to take it. Make sure it's the right thing for you. And we'll, we'll be okay for a while. And, you know, going through that as a family, as a couple, I think made us stronger. Yeah. It made us realize, you know, what you needed, what you can live without. Yeah. Um, it made the kids think differently. Um, they weren't so quick to say, hey, can we eat out? Yeah. They understood that, you know, those things happen. But um, going through that, I think... I also wanted the kids to understand that there are people that are still in greater need than we are right now. And one of the traditions we have is always to adopt a family at the church at Christmas time and to buy gifts for the angel tree. And, you know, that started when I was growing up, my mom used to do that. And so when, even when this happened, we still volunteered at the church to, to organize those packages, to deliver those packages to the families in need. And I would make the kids come with me and carry the bags into the home and meet the families and see their circumstances and then talk about it when we got back in the car. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think 
in spite of our own struggles, we recognized that there were there were still people struggling more than us and that we were still in a position to help give back to those people, even in, in what we perceived to be a time of need, which hindsight was really a time of inconvenience yeah. for us. You know, that is so incredible that the servant attitude within your family, like even your kids, right? When they can understand that, hey, you know, we're, we're going through a bit of a challenge right now and they can have some compassion, understanding, and your wife, like a, a lot of women would just be very, very upset about that whole situation. Oh my gosh, you need to get a job. What's going on? You have to provide for our family. Da, 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 da. Like they would put a lot of pressure on you as a father and as a husband. Like, what are you doing? Get out and do your job. Go get a job. I don't care what it is. Go get something at McDonald's. But for her to say to you, don't just take a job to have a job. Go get yeah. what's right for you. Like that shows a lot about your entire family, not just about you as a man. Well, I have to say, I, I, every stage of my career, my wife has made a sacrifice for that. When we moved to Richmond, she gave up a job at Johns Hopkins that she loved and came with me. And, and just the other night, I said to her, thank you for the sacrifices you've made these last four years because I was working over an hour from home. And, and she said, what sacrifices? And so, I mean, well, we can talk about servant leadership from my perspective and my career and my family life. Yeah. I'm nothing without her servant leadership. Amen. And I mean, I think that's the sign of a servant leader. You don't even recognize that you're doing it. Yeah. You're just doing what comes naturally and you're, you're just, you know, following the path that's put in front of you. And, um, you know, she, she, you talk about inspiration. I mean, she is incredible in what she is able to do as a full-time employee. She was a physician assistant, a mother of three moody teenage boys and, um, just incredible. But, you know, what I really like about your story is you don't just serve at Erickson and working with elderly people. Like, you're getting out there and you're doing things for your kids, too. So you're, I think, a baseball coach and a soccer coach. Like, there's a lot of guys that can say, oh, yes, well, I fathered a kid. But it takes a special kind of man to be a dad, right? And I, I really get the vibe that you are truly a dad, getting out there and encouraging your kids and being a coach and all those things. So, like, what's that like for you? What motivated you to want to do that? You know, I, I love, I love, I love sports. First, I mean, I played baseball as a kid. I can remember pitches and innings and plays that I made. Like, it was such a fabric of who I was. And then, you know, soccer is just something that, you know, when the kids are little, it's easy to do. But as a coach, I just love being able to help a kid learn something, feel some sense of accomplishment. Right. Again, again, they don't have to listen to me. Um, so how do I get kids excited and moving in the same direction? And then, you know, when I lost my job or even during COVID, that coaching time was our sense of normal. Mm. You know, when I stepped onto that field, when I was out of work, none of that mattered. What mattered was, can I teach Nick how to kick the ball harder? Can I teach Aiden how to be a better goalie? And and all those worries and and concerns stay on the sideline. And it, uh, I mean, from a health standpoint, I, I run with them. I, I practice, I scrimmage with them and I, and I think this is some servant leadership philosophy. I won't ever ask them to do anything that I won't do myself. Yeah. So when we make them run laps, I run laps with them. If we do suicides, I run with them. Um, and when the fun stuff happens, I do that with them. And so 
you know, I'm, I'm coming to a point in my life where my, my coaching opportunities are phasing out a little bit because the kids are aging into high school and, yeah. and they need someone better than me to coach them <laughs> technically. But, but I stay involved as an assistant coach because I think there's a lot of people that can teach the technical stuff, but I want to be there to foster the psychological stuff and the mental stuff and get kids to believe in themselves. Yeah. Um, because I think that's what sports teaches kids, right? They, to learn a new skill, to, to hone it, to master it, and then to continue to figure out ways, how do I get better at it? Um, and, and here's how you're going to do that. Here's the time you're going to put in if you really want to excel. And I think that carries into jobs. It carries into marriage. It carries into a you know, career. Mm-hmm. So. so you're doing things at the job. You're doing things outside in the community. I can only imagine that in some way, shape, or fashion, you're modeling servant leadership inside your home. It sounds like you and your wife are both modeling servant leadership inside your home. Can you give us just a glimpse of what life is like inside the Sullivan household and how your kids are learning what it means to be a servant leader through your example? I think the biggest thing, as I think back since they were born, is that we've involved them in the things that we do. Um, my, my kids all grew up around Oakcrest, um, my first retirement community, because there were times they just needed to because I was manager on the weekend and, and they needed to go somewhere. So they came with me um, during those times. I would think about the residents that I knew that were a little bit more shut in that couldn't get out as much. Right. I can remember bringing my oldest son to visit a resident and having him sing to them because they they were alone and they were almost entirely blind and their opportunities to engage were limited. So he would go up in kindergarten and just sing whatever silly songs they were learning. Um, and, you know, at the cancer society, having them go to relay for life and, and walk the track with us and, you know, explain why we were there and what we were doing. Um, and I think again, the most powerful part to me was um, keeping them involved in the church. Um, we're not, perfect. We are not at church every Sunday. Um, but when those opportunities come for us to do things like, you know, packaging up the, the Thanksgiving meal boxes and, mm-hmm. and standing in those, in the little half circle of the church and handing them to families in need, um, and the, the packages with Christmas and having them drive up to a home that looks a lot like ours and saying, gosh, dad, why do they need these gifts? This looks like our neighborhood and getting in the car and having a discussion about what you saw when you opened the door and the things that people are going through behind that door, um, I think is pretty, pretty powerful for them. And, and again, when we were at our lowest point, continuing to say, Hey, there, there are people that still need us to serve them. Yeah. Um, and they do it on their own. They join clubs at school. You know, my son Connor is in a, a junior and he's in the key club and he's, he's following some of the stuff that I did in high school and I didn't even talk about it with him. He just yeah. does it. Um, and they, they, my middle son is anxious to get into this carpentry program at the local high school because as their senior project, they build a home for Habitat for Humanity as the students and they get to present it to the family. I just think like whether it was intentional for him, that's a piece of the job and the, uh, well, the, the school program that he's excited about. So, so. You know, you have talked about a whole lot of things you got going on, Todd. You've got the job, you got things you do at church, you got the coaching, you got father, husband, you got a lot going on. How do you balance all those demands and still be successful in serving in all these different areas? I you know, I, I feel like the the only way I can do that is to intermingle all of them. 
you know, um, because, you know, I, I have a TV show at work. It's something that's really unique to Erickson. They have an on-campus TV station. And so occasionally, you know, when something goes on with the kids, I'll, I'll bring their pictures and they'll, they'll show it on the screen. And, um, and that's, I had a, a resident say to me the other day, I've never even met them, but I feel like I'm their grandmother and tell them that, you wow. know, Aunt Jan loves them and that I hope to do well. And, wow. and so I think when you bring, when you bring your whole self to whatever it is that you do, um, is the way that you move forward. You know, if I tried to just work and not involve my family or um, just coach, but not worry about work. I mean, when we win a tournament, I'm talking about it at work, Yeah. you know, when, um, so I think that's it. It's just acknowledging that, Hey, you know what? Like, this is all of me, you know? And sometimes it means I have to leave work early because I have to um, go to soccer or baseball or, you know, and finding leaders that embrace that, that they, they enjoy you being on their team, not in spite of those things, but because of them. Wow. So Todd, we've got about a minute left. So I just have one question left for you. What advice would you give to someone that maybe is going through the difficult time that you went through before? Maybe someone that's in transition, they're trying to figure out what's next with their life, they're they're questioning, they've got doubt, and you know, you mentioned Ed Lord and you're just gonna go where the Lord tells you. What advice would you give to someone that maybe is going through a hard time right now? Well, I guess one that is what you're going through is temporary. Um it's it's not gonna last forever. Um you know, I spoke with a young priest when I was going through my unemployment. I was really in a low spot. And he said to me, our entire faith journey has been built on struggle, you know, um, through through Christ's life and um, on, the, on the road to, to the crucifix. And that our, our lives will take peaks and valleys where we're at times of jubilation. And then there's going to be times in um, um, of frustration and desolation and that our, our call is to find a way to climb back out of that desolation into that time of jubilation and adulation. And, um, and so, you know, I, I always would make time to pray, you know, when I was on, a, when I was out of work, I would run two miles in the morning, lay on the tailgate of my truck when I got back and just look at the sky and pray yes. for strength, for patience. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, um, that's it, that it's temporary and that there are so many people out there that will come to your side in that time of need. And so don't be too proud to share that, to share where you are in your journey. Because I know for me, people from 20, 30 years ago in my life showed up at the door and said, Hey, how can I help? And so I think that's, that's what I take away from that piece of my life is that I will always be there to say that to somebody else. How can I help? I love that, Todd. love it so much. Todd, thank you so very much for being a guest here on the show today. It has been such a privilege, one, to reconnect with you, but two, to hear your heart and hear your story. It, it, I, I can't say enough. Thank you, man. Well, Paul, I, I'm, I'm humbled. I, I look at your list of past guests, and, and I don't even know how I fit into this conversation. <laughs> but um, but I, I hope that people listening that aren't in a a high position or haven't served at this great level can, can feel that connection to, to what you do and to what your guests have done. Um, because, you know, servant leadership isn't about a title or That's a right. position. It's about leading from where you are. That's right. Uh, and, and you're doing that in, in what you do. And, um, and I hope if we can inspire others to continue on their path and we've done our job today. Amen, brother. Amen. 
When we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from Todd Sullivan. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Only scars in heaven that won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken. And all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now Even as the tears fall down Is that the only scars in heaven Are on the hands that hold you now You are listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough A Jacob Media Production And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just think about what we've heard from today's guest. Todd had so many valuable nuggets that he shared with us. And I just want to unpack just a few of them. So in the beginning of the conversation, Todd was talking about this idea of as he's engaging with residents at the senior living facility, he brings integrity, a sense of trust, a sense of humor, and he makes the place a fun place to be at, a fun place to live at. And I, I, I wonder how many of us are actually doing that, regardless of what job we have, military, business, whatever. How many of us are bringing that sense of integrity and a sense of humor and a sense of trust and wanting to be intentional and at making the place fun? I think regardless of what job we have, we could really learn something from Todd and really try to bring those things to our daily work. Something else he said that I thought was really important. He said the greatest blessing that he's ever received was being able to give other people a chance. Now, again, this doesn't matter what type of industry you're in. Think about the younger people that are coming up and maybe they don't have as much experience as you. Maybe they might be a little naive in certain areas, but we could really serve other people by giving someone a chance, by believing in them, by seeing the good in them, by seeing what is it, the art of the possible in them, by telling them, I believe in you and I'm going to give you a chance. And I really like what Todd had to say when he was talking about mentors that he's had and people that have given him a chance and uh, people he's looked up to. He talked about Ed Lord. And I I love Todd's heart where he talked about, well, I just wanted to follow the Lord, right? And it wasn't about the person. It was about he felt the Spirit of God leading him. And he's carried that on to his family. So you heard him talk about his wife, and she said, I want you to pick the job that's right for you, because there's always going to be people in greater need, but for right now, we can make it. We can make it together as a family. We may not have everything we want, but we have everything we need, because from their perspective as a family, including the kids, it wasn't a sacrifice. They needed to do, they were going to do 
whatever it took to stay together as a family and to keep their head above water. And if that's not servant leadership, I don't know what is. But then he went on. And Tadda doesn't serve at the senior living facility. He also goes out and he serves as a coach with his kids. And more than that, he gets out there and he gets dirty with them. Whatever he asked them to do, running laps, doing push-ups, whatever it is, he's out there and he's willing to do it with them. And I would encourage you, I would, I would even challenge you, if you're going to ask an employee, a subordinate, a child to do something, are you willing to do it yourself first? Are you willing to get in there and get dirty with them and show them this is how you do it and I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty and all of that? And even carried that a step further. And he talked about, well, I want to have them involved. So they do things together. He talked about the sponsoring a family or uh, adopting a family at Christmas time. And having the children and his wife be involved with that. Serving meals at Thanksgiving. Doing things to give gifts at Christmas. Right? Because again, he and his family believe that there's always people in greater need. And even when he didn't have a job... He was still out there putting other people first. He would tell his kids, well, you know what? I don't think we can go out to eat right now because we need to be a little bit more conservative right now until I get myself another job. But yet he's going out and he's still supporting the local church and he's still giving gifts at Christmas time to other people outside of his family. And I love what he said about how he balances his time. You bring your whole self, your whole self, and you intermingle everything. So regardless of what it is that you do, regardless of what walk of life that you're in, are you bringing your whole self? Are you serving to the utmost of your ability? And the last thing that I want to just briefly talk about, when Todd was giving some advice and encouragement about how to get through a difficult time, such profound words. One, it's temporary. Two, pray. Three, be humble. And four, when the shoes are reversed and you have an opportunity to help somebody, you see somebody else that's down, go up and ask them, how can I help? How many times have I talked about that in this program? How can I help? Listen, each way, me, each week I talk to you about when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. But this week is no different. So, again, I mentioned to you last week that my son got into a car accident. And there's a lot to unpack with that. There's so many different variables with that. And so the first piece of it, and I shared with you last week, is that he was able to get up and walk away. But now the second piece that came over this last week was that God made a way to get him another car. So I've poured everything that I possibly can into my son, into getting him vehicles and taking care of him and all like that. And over the course of the last week, the insurance company decided that they were going to declare his vehicle a total loss. And I didn't think that I would be able to afford to get him another vehicle. But a set of situations and circumstances took place in the last week 
and it made it financially possible for that to happen. God made a way. And I would just encourage you that, again, when you do good for other people, when you put other people's needs first, God will make a way. God's provision never fails. He will always provide for you. Listen, next week, so excited about my next guest. Her name is Sergeant Major Retired Michelle Jones. She was the 9th Command Sergeant Major of the Army Reserve. She served as the Special Assistant to the Secretary of Defense, and she's presently the President of an organization called the Bones Theory Group. She has so much to share. I just heard her speak the other day. Really excited to have her on as a guest next week. As you go about your week, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, always ask, just like Todd said, how can I help? Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. Jesus, I will. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Oh, oh, oh. You're proud.